snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors, this is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong. In 2011, a real-life crime story titled Midnight in Peking hit the bookshelves and soon became a literary sensation. Trying to solve a murder mystery that occurred in Beijing months before the Japanese invasion, this gripping historical non-fiction has not only made its way into the New York Times best-selling list, but has also put its author Paul French into the limelight. I'm not really obsessed with crime or murders or anything like that. It's just that I think that the thing about when a crime happens, particularly a murder, the police have to go into every aspect of life. You cannot keep any secrets. So if you're really a historian trying to look at, you know, China, if you can find a good murder that happened, you can look at every single aspect of, of the society. Recently, this award-winning writer made a strong comeback with yet another whodunit. City of Devils. But this time, instead of Beijing, Paul French takes us back to Shanghai in its licentious 1930s and 40s, where some of the most dodgy, eccentric, and villainous criminals the city had ever seen thrived before their downfall. In today's episode, our reporter Xu Yu sat down with Paul to talk about his new book, his fascination with early 20th century China and how crime literature has become lens into history. Welcome, Paul. Thank you so much for coming to the studio. It's a pleasure. It's good to be here. Okay, so before we touch upon your latest book, City of Devils, let's talk about your previous ones. Because I realized from you know some of your earliest work, like Through the Looking Glass, which mm. is about the foreign correspondence in China from early 19th century to the mid 20th century, and then to your later work, you know, Bloody Saturday. I think most of your books are actually about foreigners living in China during the first half of the 20th century. So I wonder what is it about old China that really piques your interest? Well, on the one hand, I think it's like one of the most incredible times in world history, but it's an incredible time in China's history. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it from really um, the kind of uh, Sun Yat-sen and the 1911 revolution, the Xinhai, mm-hmm. and then the whole warlord period, and then the uh, Japanese attacks on uh, China. This was an incredible time uh, for China. And there were so many foreigners here, you know, partly because places like Shanghai, of course, were treaty ports that had been sort of annexed from China by the foreign countries but also just because there were so many people from the West who were fascinated by China. And they came uh, to China as well, not just to Shanghai, but to, you know, Beijing and up to Harbin and Shenyang and, and all across the, and Tianjin, of course. So in that way, there were so many fascinating characters around. It, mm-hmm. was, it was such a great time in history. You know, we live in a very peaceful time, hopefully, at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that first half of the 20th century is basically a time of chaos and upheaval and revolution and... Um, and and everything is uh, sort of up for grabs, as you said. Bloody Saturday, you know, terrible attacks yeah. that, that killed lots of people, and of course, it all ends with the war, and then you know, everything that happened since. So, to me, it's um, it's like what they call a honeypot. You know, there's there's always more to go back for. You know, mm-hmm. you always want more. You always want more, and mm-hmm. just well, for someone who wants to write and wants characters, there are so many great characters in China at that time. Yeah. So. 
since basically all your protagonists are foreigners living in cities like Shanghai and Beijing, I'm curious about how big this international community was back then. Well, it depends what city you're in. I mean, if you're in if you're in Beijing in、mm-hmm. the 1930s, you're talking about three million people, which is quite a big city at the time.、Mm-hmm. Um, but about three three and a half thousand of those are foreigners, so not many. But in somewhere like Shanghai, it's many many more. Yeah,、um, and for many, many different countries,、mm-hmm. um, but also many, many Chinese as well. So you know, in in the nineteen thirties, late nineteen thirties, Shanghai was population of over five million people. You know, if you took London, Paris, New York were the three biggest cities in the world,、mm-hmm. and then it was always for fourth and fifth place. It was always between Berlin and and, and Shanghai.、Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, Shanghai was an enormous city even in the nineteen thirties by the, by the standard of city sizes. Of course, since then,、mm-hmm. all Chinese cities have kind of exploded in terms of size.、Mm-hmm. Um, so you were looking at, you know, just under seven hundred, eight hundred thousand foreigners in Shanghai at that time. So, how come there were so many foreigners in Shanghai? Well, it was incredibly、uh, international. I、mm. mean, you know, you had all of the Russians who had come from Russia after 1917 were living there. You had Jews that were coming from Europe to get away from、uh, the Nazis.、Mm-hmm. Um, you had all the foreign business people from every country、uh, you can really imagine.、Um, And the thing about Shanghai, of course, in that in that time, because it was this unique sort of international city, was there really wasn't any police. Well, I mean, there were police, but there weren't many laws. It was a kind of crazy city. It was really the only city in the world, Shanghai, where you could turn up without a visa, without a passport, and you could get off the boat, walk into the city, tell them any name you wanted. Didn't have to be your real name. Tell them any age you wanted.、Mm-hmm. Completely invent your whole past.、Mm-hmm. And just live your life. It was an incredibly open city. There is no city in the world like that now. It really sounds like Wild West in the East, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 was, it was also, of course, called the Paris of the East because it's such a beautiful city, and I think it's still a beautiful city because of the architecture. You know, the Art Deco、yeah. architecture and the modernist architecture. It was always a very modern city. It was always、yeah. where new ideas came into China.、Yeah. So, if you look at the history of Chinese cinema, if you look at the history of Chinese publishing and、mm-hmm. graphic design, and you know the great writers all lived there at one time or another, Lu Xun and, and、yeah. everyone. You know, the Communist Party of China was founded in in, in Shanghai. That、yeah. was a new idea at the time. Neon lights and new kinds of food, jazz bands. You know, considering that Shanghai was merely a small fishing village a hundred years ago, its expansion was quite remarkable. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was of course the 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 origin of Shanghai is is embarrassing because it comes from the Opium Wars, and you know, it was it was a city that was forced from China to, by Britain, right? But、um, out of this city comes this kind of.、Um, A place where so many Chinese people go. So during things like the Taiping Rebellion, lots of Chinese came into Shanghai because it was safe because it had foreign soldiers there who could protect it.、Yeah. Um, and of course, for a long time as well, it was、uh, even after 1937, it was the, the international part of the city was still safe from the Japanese. So many, many more、um, Chinese came in from sort of the northern districts, Hong Kong and、mm-hmm. Jiabei and, and Baoshan and so on. So in that sense, it was always a place of refuge almost. So even though it had this colonial imperial、um, history,、mm-hmm. it was also at many times a place that saved people's lives. You know, whether they be Russian, Jewish, or Chinese from from disasters that were happening elsewhere.、Mm-hmm. You know, J.G. Ballard, he、mm-hmm. he wrote about you know Empire of the Sun. 
And then Nobel laureate Kazuo Ishiguro has written When We Were Orphans. So all those books are about Shanghai around that period. Yeah. But you, you have taken a different approach. You depict Shanghai by writing crime literature. So how does this idea of writing crime investigative nonfiction come to you? Well, I think, I think that the reason I'm not really obsessed with crime or murders or anything like that. It's just that I think that the thing about when a crime happens, particularly a murder, mm -hmm. um, the police have to go into every aspect of life. Right? Mm -hmm. You cannot keep any secrets once a murder has happened. It's so serious. It's so terrible mm -hmm. that they have to know everything about your life. All of your, as we say in English, you, all of your skeletons have to come out the cupboard. So all of your secrets and your family's secrets and the community's secrets have to be revealed. So if you're really a historian trying to look at the, uh, you know, China, if you can find a good murder that happened, you can look at every single aspect of, of the society because the police reports and mm -hmm. the newspapers and everything will reveal this, right? Mm -hmm. So crime is... You know, I mean, the, I think that's the reason crime is so popular. Contemporary crime is so popular because it shows us all sorts of things about our society. Yeah. Um, you know, and no one can say no to a policeman. You have to answer the questions. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's such a good way of of writing about, uh, you know, what's going on in Shanghai at that time because it reveals all that goes on. And also, I don't always want to write about people who are doing very well, diplomats and business people. and mm, Journalists. Yeah, you know. journalists. I also want to find out about all these people that live at the lower end of society, you know, mm -hmm. the poorer people, but also the, the, the people that are in trouble. And because Shanghai was a city where anyone could just walk in mm -hmm. without having to say what their past was, um, of course, it attracted a lot of criminal people. That was Shu Yu talking with British writer Paul French. Coming up... What I start by saying is effectively, how could Shanghai be anything else but a city full of criminals? It was a city that was stolen from China. Mm -hmm. that's, that's how it exists. Mm -hmm. And then it's stolen from everyone again by Japan, who are criminals in, in this story, right? So everybody's a criminal in this story. The entire city is criminal. Nobody is innocent. They will continue the conversation after the break. Explore the life of great wordsmiths. Share their stories beyond the pages. Ink and Quill brings you the voices of writers and book lovers. Your previous book, Midnight in Peking, is also about a crime in which you wrote about the murder of a young English woman, which was the daughter of a British diplomat in, in the mid-1930s. However, since her death was such a big news back then, there were archives, police reports, newspapers, and all sorts of materials you can find. But in your most recent book, City of Devils, the characters are gamblers, drug dealers, prostitutes who lived under this darker margins of the society who didn't want to be found. So I wonder, how did you track them down? Well, they're very difficult to find out about. But the newspapers did write about them at the time. Mm -hmm. And of course, they did get arrested now and again. So we still have all the records of the Shanghai Municipal Police. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's really useful. You get photographs, you get pictures of them. Other people write about Shanghai at the time, at, you know, mention these people. Yeah. So then you just have to dig around and dig around. Try. And, I found a couple of them had families who, you know, um, have some photographs and have some pictures. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, but the, the research for City of Devils, because there's a lot more characters and... Um, 
there's a lot of crime. Right? Yeah. Um, that 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 did take me. You know, a book like that will take me kind of. It might take me a a year or to write, but it actually takes me about ten years. Mm. So among all those criminals, you can choose. How did you come across? You know, the two kingpins of the story, Jack Riley and Joe Ferrell. How did you find them? Well, I mean, you know, they ran. They came together to run the biggest casino that、um, Asia has ever seen. It, it was massive、um, in Shanghai, and of course, when this casino opened, all of the Chinese newspapers wrote about it. All of the foreign newspapers wrote about it and went and took pictures, and you know, because it had gambling on three floors, and then on the ground floor you could have dinner and listen to the jazz band and dance. It was an amazing place. I mean, just enormous.、Um, So, so you know, I, I read about that, and I read about the the two very different men who came together to to do this. You know, Joe Farron, who who sort of the, the nightclub was named after him, Farron's. He was from Austria, and he ran big nightclubs in in Shanghai with big chorus lines, dancing, and so on. And Jack Riley, who was an American, who was actually escaped from a prison in America and came to Shanghai.、Mm-hmm. Burnt his fingerprints off with acid,、mm-hmm. so thinking that no one would ever be able to fingerprint him, you know. And he managed through various ways to get the money to run a casino, to bank the casino.、Mm-hmm. Um, and there was so much money in Shanghai at that time. And they did all of this at the most crazy time. What、um, you know, after August 1937, when you know Bloody Saturday, when Shanghai was attacked, up until December 1941, when Pearl Harbor, and then the Japanese take all of Shanghai. This is the time that, that that we're talking about, which the Chinese call Gudao. You know, the, what we would call the sort of solitary island or the lonely island period, because all around Shanghai, the Japanese are, are in control of that part of China, the Yangtze part of China, and then the other side is the sea,、mm-hmm. and the Japanese Navy control the sea.、Yeah. So just within what was the international settlement and the French concession, this this is where these people were just stuck there. Couldn't leave,、mm-hmm. so、um, they had nowhere to go anyway. Most of them,、mm-hmm. so they're just they're just carrying on, having parties, having casinos, committing crime, tr- other people trying to live their lives, while all around them China is at war. You know, it's sort of ironic to see the city was on fire, but all those foreigners were just sitting tight, enjoying the extravagance of Shanghai without a single care of the world surrounding them. Until everything immediately went downhill in the early 1940s. Yeah, well, of course, you know, in in, in 1937, the, the the Japanese attacked Shanghai, and、uh, they attacked the Chinese parts of Shanghai. So there was terrible、um, killing in、uh, Baoshan.、Um, Jabay and and those areas, and then they decided they weren't going to attack the international settlement and the French concession because to do so would have、mm-hmm. meant Japan going to war with Britain, America,、yeah. France, and they didn't want to do that yet.、Mm-hmm. Right? So they they went and they of course they went through Suzhou and so by the end of 1937 we have the horrific、uh, Holocaust, the rape of Nanjing,、mm-hmm. and and things just get worse and of course the Chinese government goes to Chongqing to try and organize the resistance.、Mm-hmm. So these people are there, but the other thing about all of these people is. Jack Riley, the the American escaped prisoner, he has nowhere to go. Right, he、mm-hmm. can't go back to America because he'd just go back to prison. Yeah,、right? Joe Farron、uh, was Jewish and from Austria, so by that time he couldn't get another passport because you know Austria was controlled by the Nazis. You know,、mm-hmm. nobody could leave. You know, nobody had anywhere to go. These people were stuck. 
you know, and so when the Japanese did take over the whole of the city in, in after Pearl Harbor, um, the, they had nowhere to run to. There was no way to run away, and there was nowhere to run away to. Yeah. So as you said, these people had nowhere to go. When I'm reading this book, I was so surprised that they still connect with the criminal underworld in America at that time. Well, I mean, you start looking at all of the criminal records in America and the FBI, and you look for references to Shanghai. I, I didn't. I wasn't aware when I read this. You know, Prohibition, where America、um, banned alcohol. For a number of years, and we know that lots of、um, criminals got very rich bringing alcohol in from Scottish whiskey, Irish whiskey, Canadian whiskey. You know, we we know that story. What I didn't know was that because Shanghai had really no checks on customs and things like that, people were shipping、um, whiskey and gin and vodka all the way from Europe.、Mm-hmm. Um, To Shanghai. Then, when it got to Shanghai, they would take it out of the boxes and put it in boxes marked,、uh, you know, toothbrushes made in China or something like that. And then they would ship it from Shanghai、mm-hmm. to California.、Mm-hmm. And of course, they became multi-millionaires. They made so much money.、Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when America stopped prohibition, money went out of alcohol very quickly. They couldn't smuggle it anymore. So the mafia and everyone in、um, America. They decided this was the time that they were going to sell drugs,、mm-hmm. right? and of course they wanted to look for where all the opium was. And China had a lot of opium,、mm-hmm. so those guys all came to Shanghai,、mm-hmm. looking to buy up all the drugs that they could to ship back to Europe and America, particularly.、Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in the archives which I wasn't really aware of of the FBI. Um, arresting people, smuggling drugs from Shanghai, but arresting them at Los Angeles, San Francisco, Vancouver, all the West Coast ports. But also because they wanted to go the other way round, they're being arrested in Marseille, France. They're being arrested in New York.、Mm-hmm. You know the East Coast ports as well. Lots and lots of people all trying to smuggle drugs into America from Shanghai.、Hmm. You know, one thing that I really like about City of Devils is this vivid details. So I'm super curious about how did you find the personality of Jack Riley and Joe Farron? How much creative liberty did you take? You know, when you portrayed them. Well,、um, yeah, I mean, I, I call what I do literary nonfiction. So I don't make up any places or names or or anything like that.、Um, but of course, we ha- yeah, I have to try and imagine. What these people were like. Now I know, I know little. Of course, I have photographs, so I know sort of how tall they were, what they looked like. I know a little bit about how they spoke. You know, I know Joe Farron would have had a German accent, and I know that Jack Riley would have had a sort of Midwest American accent.、Mm-hmm. Um, there, some people who met them wrote about wrote about these things.、Um, Joe Farron was started out in life as a a dancer, like、mm-hmm. a kind of.、Uh, Uh, Fred Astaire, you know, with his wife Nelly, they were like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. You know, they could、mm-hmm. do the most amazing dancings,、mm-hmm. looking like they're gliding. So then I try and imagine them from that. Jack Riley,、um, people remember him as being, you know, very kind of、uh, friendly in, in in many ways, unless he got angry, and then he wasn't very friendly. So so I try and imagine him as well. But you know,、um, so there is a little bit of.、Uh, Imagination there to try and make the characters more real, but I certainly never,、um, I, I I never invent something that I that I don't I don't really feel 
is, is historically inaccurate. You know, like Farron's, the nightclub that they created, really did exist. And that's why in the book, like with Midnight in Peking, I always put a lot of photographs mm -hmm. and maps and things because I think it's really important that you kind of, um, you know, know that these were real people who lived and breathed. And I think with what I learned from Midnight in Peking was you can go to any bookshop and buy it, 100,000 murder stories, right? Mm -hmm. But when you read a murder story and then you turn the page and there's a picture of that person and you know that that person lived, breathed, went out to dinner, you know, had a father, had a mother, all of those things, it becomes much, much more real. I think the story can be so much more compelling when you know this really happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. Shanghai in the 1930s sounds like a place full of gold opportunities. How did Jack Riley and, and Joe Farron end up became criminals? I'm not always trying to glamorize Shanghai in the 1930s. I think it was very glamorous. There were clearly lots of great nightclubs with beautiful women and very well-dressed men. But don't forget that at the same time, the um, government in Shanghai, the municipal council, was collecting something like 130,000 dead bodies from the street. Right? of people who just starved to death or froze to death, unwanted babies because people just couldn't afford to have the babies, mostly Chinese people, but also, you know, these foreigners who'd come from Russia or the Jews yeah. who just had no money and just died, yeah. right? It's, it was a very hard city. If you were doing well and making money in Shanghai at that time, life was fantastic. Yeah. But there was no uh, social welfare net. There was no one yeah. to help you yeah. if you didn't have any money or you were old or disabled or just, you know, had a, got hurt or something like that. Yeah. And so we should always remember, you know, one of the reasons these, these guys are criminals is because if you don't have money in China at this time, you literally can die on the street. Yeah. 130,000 dead people just collected, unwanted from the street every year. Yeah. You know, and at Bloody Saturday, of course, what? Three, maybe 5,000 people yeah. killed on, on that day. Yeah. You know, that one day, the worst yeah. day in Shanghai's history. I think that's why Jack and Joe's story is so unique. They started from nobody and then survived and thrived in Shanghai and eventually became two of the most powerful criminals in the city. They do, yeah. yeah. But of course, it's a, it's a what we call a rags-to-riches story. But this is a rags-to-riches-to-rags rags story, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, with all of my work, because it's historically specific, you know, you kind of know that it's going to end badly. So I'm yeah. sorry if anyone wants happy ending books. I don't really do them. Right? <laughs> they, 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 because everything always ends badly, right? It yeah. always ends with the war. Yeah, but, you know, from, from the beginning of City of Devils, you already know what was going to happen. Yeah, well, it, it is a noir. So you know that this is, this is not going to be an uplifting, happy ending right it's going to be dark and hard and you know but hopefully you still enjoy reading it so what sort of message do you want to deliver in city of devils yes the message i wanted to deliver was really that you know this was a time when everybody for one reason or another because they were poor because they'd been forced out of their countries you know um or they they were criminal anyway they were in a city you know what i start by saying is effectively how could Shanghai be anything else but a city full of criminals? It was a city that was stolen from China. Mm -hmm. That's that's how it exists, mm -hmm. right? And then it's stolen from everyone again by Japan, who are criminals in, in this story, right? So everybody's a criminal in this story. The entire city is criminal. Everyone who lives in it is criminal. You know, nobody is innocent. Since you have already extensively written about foreigners' experiences in Beijing and Shanghai, so have you ever thought about, you know, written something about other cities with a large international population? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to carry on writing about foreigners in China. I just, it, I have to look around and find the best stories that I can. I do have a little story about Harbin that I think I'll do as a short book. Because mm -hmm. I, I think there were so many Russians in Harbin and it's mm -hmm. such a fascinating city. And also, you know, I think, I mean, in China, the, the Russian history in Harbin is quite well known. And of course, anyone who's been to Harbin will have seen the, the old Russian churches and yeah. various other things. But in the rest of the world... Um, although the Shanghai Jewish story and everything is quite well known and people obviously know Beijing, but, um, you know, Harbin is not, a, a, you know, a lot of people don't even know the city Harbin, right? Yeah. You know, if you meet people who have no contact with China. So that's quite a challenge because you've got to introduce Harbin and where is it and why are all these Russians in Harbin and mm -hmm. what are they doing there? Kind of yeah. Thing. So I think that's always a challenge, but it, that's fun. And, British writer Paul French sharing with us more about his latest book, City of Devils, a Shanghai Noir. It's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world, and we will keep you posted. To learn more about Ink and Quill, you can follow our Facebook account, China Plus, or simply download our podcast by searching the keywords Ink and Quill on iTunes. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Yang Yong. See you next week. Bestseller, smash hit, page turner. Ink and Quill delves into the very heart of the works that make us laugh, cry and sigh.